those of you who are still battling uh, illness there at home, I hope that each and every one of you are doing well. Uh, we continue to pray for you. If you have prayer requests uh, that you would like to send me, you have my information. Uh, it's on our Facebook. You can text it. You can text it to me if you have prayer requests, um, and we will get you on the prayer list. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning so thankful that, that we're able to, to fellowship one with another, Lord, even if it's remotely. We just ask that as we read your scripture and study your scripture here this morning, that, that you would just bless us, anoint this message, Lord. You would just, just make it personal to each and every one of us. Lord, we lift up each and every one that's, that can't be here this morning, that's battling illness or other circumstances that keep them from being able to attend. Lord, we just lift them up to you and ask that you, you would just bless them, protect them, guide them, and direct them, Lord. These things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to go to 2 Samuel this morning again, continue on in 2 Samuel chapter 16. Um, and follow up where we left off last week. Look forward to seeing each and every one of you back just as bright and shiny as ever, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. We miss seeing everybody, but completely understand and sympathize with you how you are feeling and the things that's going on in each and every one of you's lives. Second Samuel chapter 16. When David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddle donkeys, and on them two hundred loaves of bread, one hundred clusters of raisins, one hundred summer fruits, and the skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, What do you mean to do with these? So Ziba said, The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. Then the king said, And where is your, mother, your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. So the king said to Ziba, Here all that belongs to, here all that belongs to Mephibosheth, is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I may find favor in your sight, my Lord, O king. Now, <clears throat> remember, David sent men back into, into the kingdom to, to listen to what was going on with Absalom and to come back and report. But, but I want to remind you that, that, that David has a large number of folks with him who are loyal to him and and who are willing to do whatever necessary to sustain him and his kingdom and i want us i want to be i want you to be reminded that that's god's provision that's god's provision for david that's god's provision for us as his children and those same provisions that he provided for david he will provide for us now, there's one verse that we're going to get down to here in a little bit that I really want to focus on and, and be the point of this, and that's down around verse 19. But I want you to see that, that 
God's people will be provided for. He will sustain us even in our times of trouble. All right. Verse 5. Now when King David came to uh, Behirim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul whose name was Shimea, the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came. Good morning. Good to see you all. And he threw stones at David in verse 6 and all the servants of, da- of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on the right hand and on his left. Also Shimea said thus when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. Now, this is a follower of Saul, okay? And and he's taken this opportunity to ridicule and curse and, and scream and holler at David and his people. Now, in my in my in my sight, he's a pretty brave man. David is one of the last people on earth that I would have done such a thing to. But I want you to pay particular attention here to David and how David responds to what's going on. And I want you to put yourself in David's place, and I know we've all been in a, in a predicament where, where people have sought after us to ridicule us or come after us and, and, and try to attack us. And that's what's going on right here. Now, it's not David that, that he's got an issue with. This, this is a spiritual issue. This is a spiritual issue. David's just the object of that. David is the representation of God. David is the one who, who, who represents Jesus in this picture. So that's why he's attacking David. And he says there in verse 7, Also Shimea said thus when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. Then the Lord, uh, the Lord has brought you upon... Uh, excuse me. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord was deli- has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. Then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please let me go over and take off his head. You know anybody like that? I do. That's our first instinct, though, isn't it? It's in our nature to retaliate or, or lash back out. But watch what David says to him here. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Uriah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, Curse David. Who then shall say, Why have you done so? He says, hold on just a minute. He said, God's allowed this. God's allowed this set of circumstances right here. He said, be patient. Because we submit to God, not to these people. Okay? 
Verse uh, 11. And David said to Abishai and all his servants, See how my son who came from my own body seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite? Let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. What a valuable, valuable point is right here in verse 12. When, when we learn to look upon our affliction like David just looked upon this one, and when we have the, the spiritual maturity to look through what's the immediate thing that's going on right now and look to what God's doing in the situation, then we can grow and be what God's called us to be. He looked right past what was going on in his immediate presence. This, this man was screaming and cursing and acting like a bloody fool. And David saw through all of that and he said, what is, you know, what is God doing in this situation in my life? That's, that's what we have to be focused on. Because you see, Satan uses the immediate to take our attention off of God. He, he uses all this chaos and all this turmoil to, to take our focus off of what the real important thing is, and that's what God's doing in our life. The, what God, how he's going to use the circumstances that we're in to grow us and make us ready and, and build us and mold us into what he wants us to be. Verse 12 again, it said, It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and this man went along the road, Shimea went along the hillside opposite of him and cursed as he went, threw stones at him and kicked up dust. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of patience shown right here in, in David, isn't it? Can you imagine walking on? I mean, this guy won't quit. He is like a thorn in the side of David. There must, David must have been doing a lot of praying. I'd have had to. But they're walking down the road, and this guy, he's still cursing and throwing stones. Verse 14, Now the king and all the people who were with him became weary. So they refreshed themselves there. I believe I'd have become weary too. It have made me weary and angry and all kinds of other things. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came into Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with them. And so it was when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king. Long live the king. Oh, that took some bravery, didn't it? He's not talking about Absalom being the king. He's talking about David. So Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? He said, If you're loyal to him, why didn't you go with him? 
And Hushai said to Absalom, No, but whom the Lord and, and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him will remain. What a stand. He took a stand right there. He didn't take a stand for David. He took a stand for God. We have to be in a position to be willing to take a stand for God when the time is right. And I'm going to tell you something. There, that time, if you haven't experienced it in your life, that time is, is going to come. And, and it's going to get more frequent and more frequent and more frequent before the Lord returns. We are going to have to be able and willing to take a stand when it's not comfortable. And I'm going to tell you something. For me, it's never comfortable for this body. It's never comfortable. It's always at the most weird time and seems to me like I've always got an audience when I have to take that stand. But that's, that's where we have to be to be right with Him. We have to be willing and able to stand up. Says, long live the king, long live the king. So Absalom said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with him? And Hushai said to Absalom in verse 18, no, but whom the Lord and, and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. That's why, that is why I told you a few weeks ago, God, when we were talking about this, this presidential situation, God puts those people in place. God puts those people in place. And we have to be in a position to recognize that and submit to that. But that doesn't mean we don't still stand for the, for the things of God, whoever's in that office. That doesn't dilute the word of God or the principles of God. If, if the wrong man is in the office, in our eyes. We still have to be able to stand on God's word and God's principles and not deviate from what he teaches us. Verse 19, look here. <coughs> Excuse me. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve the presence of his son? As I have served in your father's presence, so will I be in your presence. Here's what I want you to get out of this verse. Whom do you serve? This, this is a picture right here of Jesus. We serve the living God. Okay? We don't serve a king or a queen. Or anybody that's in this office, that office, that, that has authority over... That, Kevin, I'm getting a ton of feedback, and I don't know... We don't serve a man. We serve a living God who, who is living and indwelling in our lives and, and who, has, who has blessed us with mercy and grace and saved us out of our, our lost state and our, our deadly 
endless state and redeemed us by his mercy and his grace. That's who we serve. That's who our loyalties to. It's not to a man or a woman that's in a place of authority over us. Yes, we, we have a responsibility uh, to, to, to abide and, and the best we can. But when it, when, it comes, when it comes down to, and it will come down to, as we get closer to the return of Christ, it will come down to where we are forced to choose and stand or, or, or make a choice to choose God's word or the path of Satan. That is how we as Christians at this point should be thinking and preparing as best we can by our prayer life, our study of the word of God. That's how we should be preparing ourselves for battle. Because the time is going to come more frequently that we have to take a stand. And, and he says here, I'm going to read 18 and 19 together. He says, And Hushes, uh said to Absalom, No, but whom the Lord and his people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I have served in your father's presence, so will I be in your presence. He said, just because the person in the office has changed, doesn't change who my loyalties to. Just because, and this is an example, just because the person in the presidency has changed, doesn't change who my loyalties to. My loyalty is to Jesus. My loyalty is to the Father. It doesn't matter who sits in there. It doesn't matter who sits down here at the county seat. My loyalty is to Christ. My loyalty is to the living God that I serve. There's millions upon millions who can flip and flop. They they can be Mr. and Miss Christian when it's comfortable. And then when, when things like going on now change, they can move over to this side of the aisle. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's, there's something seriously wrong with their spiritual condition when they can do that. There's something seriously, seriously wrong with your spiritual condition if, you're, if you, can, you do or can do that. Because if you're a child of God, your loyalty can only be to Him. It doesn't matter what's coming down the road. You, every time, have to choose God the Father, His ways, His principles, and the attitudes that He teaches. Verse 20. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give advice to us what we should do. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go into your father's uh, concubines, who he has left and keep, to keep the house, and all of Israel will hear that you have adored by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. So they pitched a tent, Absalom, on top of the house, 
And Absalom went to his father's concubines in the sight of all of Israel. Now, all, all they're trying to do, just like Satan does in, right now, it, it's, just, it's just a farce. It's just, it, it's just a, I don't know how to even say it. It's just, he's just trying to stir a fog, mislead people. That's all it is. He says, if you go in with the, to the concubines, then all these people, they, they'll follow you. They, they'll think that, that this is the right, this is the right thing, that, that God has blessed it, that, that you're supposed to be the king. You're supposed to take over the kingdom. Verse 23. Now the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired of an oracle of God. So was all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. He, they just, he just trying to, he's trying to get, get all the people on his side. Does that sound familiar? We just went through a presidential election where people that were running for office will say absolutely, I mean, one minute they say one thing and one minute they say whatever they can say to get people on their side. I want you to understand that is the deception of Satan. That is the deception of Satan. I mean, it was, there, there is point after point after point that we could go through of examples that what we just witnessed in, in all these elections that we just went through of people saying one thing one minute and over here they turn around and say the complete opposite. Just to get people on their side. And that's how Satan works. That's how he's worked from the beginning. And that's how he will work until God returns. Until Christ returns. We have to be in, able to, to, to recognize and, and seek out Dig, sometimes you have to dig to find that deception. Sometimes you have to research a little bit to find that deception. You can't take what someone says on the surface for the truth. Because there's no better deceiver than Satan. But we've just, we've just experienced that. We've just seen that. But here, here's the main point that I want you to see this morning. And that is, is no matter... Who in our lives, whether it be in the presidential office, whether it be in the governor's office, whether it be your boss at work, no matter who is in place of authority in your life, your loyalty, your loyalty must always remain to our living God. And you must be willing to take a stand for that. Say, well, Pastor, I cannot afford to lose my job. Let me tell you something. There's, you may lose your job, but I'm going to tell you something. There is no greater blessing. God will, will bless you beyond measure when you rightly, the key there, rightly stand for Him and His Word. You won't have to worry about a job because if He closes that door, He's going to open another one. And I want you to understand this morning that the times 
for those stands that you're going to have to take are fixing to be coming more frequently and more frequently and more frequently. You say, well, how, how, how can that be? How, don't you think all this is going to settle down? No, I absolutely do not think all this is going to settle down. Just read the back of the book. It has to get worse before it gets better. And better is when we arrive over there. No, it's not going to get better. before. It's going to get worse. It can only get worse. Yes, we'll have times where we feel like, well, things have settled down a little bit. I, I want to, we, we just came back. We, <coughs> we took a day trip this week to the Metroplex to, uh, to an event that uh, we had purchased months ago. And you, you cannot, I can't even put into words, I can't even put into words the level of uh, suppression of freedom that has taken place just a few miles up the road. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous. I don't have a problem in the world if you choose to wear a mask, but it should be your choice. Okay? It, it, it should be your choice. But I, every, we left one place because somebody got ugly with us over a mask. We, we, we got up, we'd sit there 40 minutes without a mask. And I don't have, you know, if they'd have asked me nicely when I went in, hey, sir, would you mind please putting on your mask? I'd have put it on and wouldn't have. It was all about the way that it, it happened. <clears throat> but it's, it's to a whole different level, just 100 miles up the road. And I don't think that's going to get any better. I don't think that's going to get any better. It's your choice to me whether you take the vaccine when it gets here. I'm not taking it. I don't, that's not to influence you, but I'm not taking it. But I have a funny hunch that they're going to try to mandate it on you. I have a funny suspicion that it's going to, be, it's going to try to be mandated on you. That's absolutely contrary, absolutely contrary to what God teaches in his word. Those kind of things are coming, and they're going to come more rapidly and more rapidly and more rapidly. And we have to be prepared as God's people to take that stand that we have to take. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to influence you either. With either one of those circumstances in either way, it should be a choice. And, but those are just the small things that are coming at us right now. As, as we get closer to the return of Christ, it's going to be bigger things. It's going to be larger things. It's going to be more important things. It, it could come to the point where they tell us we can't meet right here. They come and haul me off to jail. I mean, I, I'm, I'm making that, you know, I'm, I'm just using that as a, but I'm prepared to do it. I'm prepared. God willing, and by his power and his courage, because I don't have it in me of my own. You don't have it in you of your own. 
The only way that we have the power and courage to take the stands that we get, we're going to have to take is through him. It's through him. It's by putting on his armor and by feeding on his manna and staying in the prayer closet and being having ourselves prepared for that time. And I'm going to tell you something. You can't, we, you can't. It'll come at the most unexpected time that you could ever think about. That's why you have to be diligently ready day by day. Diligently ready day by day. Through, through prayer and, and feasting on the Word of God and His principles and being ready and, and armed with His Word and His principles when that time is right. Again, those of you who are, are still out sick, we, we're praying for you. If, if you need anything, reach out to us. Um, we look forward to, we're having, we're having church whenever you get well and can come back. Uh, we look forward to seeing you and are ready to see everybody. But uh, just know that we're praying for you and lifting you up every day. And, and if you need anything, reach out to us. Let's, let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your examples in Scripture. Lord, the examples that are presented in the Word of God last forever. They, they don't run out. They don't, there's not a time throughout the ages where they don't apply. We just ask that you would continue to reveal these truths to us, to open our eyes, to continue to grow us and nurture us. And Lord, we are weak vessels. We are, we are such weak vessels. And without your mercy and your grace and your revelation to us, we just remain weak. But Lord, through, through that revelation and through that, that opening and removing the scales from our eyes and opening our ears, Lord, you, you grow us and, and, and nurture us just like a crop from the seed. We just praise you and give you honor and glory, Lord. We just praise you and ask you to just continue to bless this church. I plead the blood of Jesus over this church and everyone who is represented here this morning and those that can't be. Lord, illness has fallen on several homes uh, that call this church home. We just lift them up to you, Lord. And those that illness hasn't fallen on, Lord, we ask for your protection. The protection of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, Lord, that cleanses all sin and has the power to heal all illness. We just ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.